Erin. I it is Erin. Congratulations. And you're Alicia. I am. <laughs> now we've sorted that out. I am so happy to talk to talk to you. I've got so many questions. Good. I've I've got answers. <laughs> First of all, what happened to your dog? Uh, your dog was barking in the background. Yeah. Um, well, it seems whatever leaf he heard is now safely on the ground and no longer moving. <laughs> Speaking of sound, if you're hearing weird noises in the background, I have construction right outside my door. So I've been wearing, uh, what do you call them? Noise cancelling headphones inside the house. It's hilarious. Oh, wow. That's, that's tough. <laughs> it's a quality problem. They're fixing our water pipes. But fascinating as that is, Alicia <laughs> Barr, uh, from, is she, if you're an introvert, come out of your cave because Alicia is a bespoke solution. She offers sales strategies for introverts. You can all breathe a sigh of relief, introverts. There is help at hand. Yes. And actually, most introverts are even better at sales usually. Tell me why. Well, as soon as they stop trying to act like extroverts and really lean into their natural strengths, they definitely lend themselves to prospects feeling like safe and uh, more. they trust it more because extroverts definitely need help too, but they often think they don't because they just sort of wing it by being like chatty and relating. But I mean, do you want to buy something from someone because their kids are the same age as you or you have the same hobbies? Right. Do, do you usually? Uh, uh, no, no. In fact, I've met salespeople that I've really liked, but I've still gone with somebody else because they had the better solution. Well, it's not, that is definitely important too. <clears throat> and how they explain that their solution is better, but introverts are really good at listening and hearing the other person and being naturally curious and asking good questions and um, and having empathy for the other person. So like it, it, it definitely develops a, a trusting relationship more than just like having so much in common. I'm so glad you clarified that. I missed a sentence, so thank you. Now, most people think, well, some people think sales is a dirty word. <laughs> Years. For years, we've seen used car salesmen. We've, we've sometimes had pushy retail staff. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. I mean, there. everybody usually has had an experience that they did not like with the salesperson. And they're so terrified of being that person that they go 180 in the other direction and actually undersell themselves. So the majority of salespeople, I would say, are not like that idea in our head, but it just stands out so clearly to us um, that we remember it. And then I think there's also an element of um, people almost feel bad asking for money sometimes. Um, and they and they shouldn't. Like they feel like it. I mean, and if you would ask them, like, well, what are you supposed to do it for free? And they'd say, no, of course not. But on some emotional level, not a logical level. They like feel bad. Whereas all money is, is energy. You're exchanging money for energy. It is fair value. And it's a wonderful thing to do. Both parties contribute in that way. Yeah. And if you do it for free, most people have had the experience where the other person doesn't take it very seriously. Absolutely. Now, 
I also want to point out that uh, Alicia offers a fantastic training. Now, it is Monday, I'm saying now a lot, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10.15. This is Mountain Standard Time because you're in Denver, Colorado. Yes, I am. I think it's hilarious that America has so many time zones. New Zealand has one. It makes it very, very simple. Yeah, it's really difficult. There's, well, there's more than four because there's also Hawaii um, and there's Puerto Rico. It's really frustrating. Um, it's just uh, just such a big country. <laughs> I feel very lucky to be there. Be here. There are so many states to explore. So I'm going to segue slightly. You moved to Denver, Colorado. What prompted that? Because you were in Austin before. The mountains. The mountains prompted it because Texas is flat. flat. <laughs> Um, and Colorado also has no mosquitoes or cockroaches um, and no humidity. Like the summers in Texas are just so hot. They're so hot. Um, so, yeah, it was it's definitely a, a lifestyle like choice. Yeah. Does Denver get a lot of sunshine? So much. So Austin supposedly was a sunny place, but... I didn't realize how sunny it actually was not until I came to Denver. Okay, I'm investigating Denver. Now that I, my husband and I have realized we don't have to be in Seattle, we're definitely looking around for sunnier climes. Oh. This isn't about me, even though, of course, I'd love it to be. But back to you. <laughs> you help introverts as well who sell high-ticket items. What's a high-ticket item? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so something that is $1,500 all the way up to as much as you can imagine. Um, and that's just because it's so easy for them to get a return on their investment <clears throat> when they sell something that is higher ticket. And also, if you're selling something lower than $1,500, I wouldn't recommend spending time on sales calls for it. You also take the, I know you know this, but you take the pain, the pitching, and the pretending out of sales. Would you tell me more about that? Yeah. So um, in the online entrepreneur space, there is a really popular sales strategy um, about agitating pain in the sales conversation and then kind of like shame throwing the person on the other side of it. So like, Oh, what is your life going to look like in 12 months if you if you solve this? And what will it look like if you don't? And then, you know, really backing them into a corner with their own words saying, you know, well, you said you couldn't solve this alone because you'd already tried. And that if you don't solve it, you're going to be homeless and your spouse is going to leave you and your kids are going to think you're a loser. So I guess that's the life you want because you're not moving forward with me. <laughs> um, so it's like a very aggressive and not great feeling strategy. So I definitely show you how to sell without that. Um, and then pitching, I show you how to pitch weave in the beginning of your call. So you don't have this like extended period of time where you're just the only person talking for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> um, and then pretending to be someone else. It's just, I customize everything around your personality and language you use and what you feel confident delivering. Cause so often things are one size fits all in the sales space and people feel like they have to, well, they're told they have to say it this exact way or do it this exact way, but it, it doesn't feel right to the personality. So your prospect can feel that something is like 
off. If you feel weird, they feel weird. Um, so it's really just custom fit around you without pain or, or pitching. I love that. I definitely help my clients take the pain out of dressing and also the pretending. Uh, it's very important to dress authentically because clothing is a conversation. Exactly. I often say that like using someone else's like sales script that doesn't feel right is like wearing bedazzled jeans and, and <laughs> style and you're pretending like it is, but everyone feels uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially when you sit down if you've done a lot of bedazzling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then let's circle back to what you said about pricing. One thing I had to learn was when I told somebody my price, this was in the beginning because I, I am an introvert, I had to learn to shut up, to say my price and then shut up and not immediately try and discount or offer another solution. Do you find that's true? That is a really popular sales strategy. So I don't really, I definitely agree that you shouldn't immediately start offering discounts and that kind of thing, but the silence thing can feel uncomfortable. So you can do that, but I, I prefer to ask them, you know, is that realistic for you? That is a great question. I'm adding that on. I'm also nicking your word bespoke. I've been saying I'm a boutique, uh, but I love bespoke because, uh, we both, I believe we both get to choose who we work with, which is very, very important. Now, you can find, I really need to find another word for that. Find Alicia at her company, which is baronlinemarketing.com. Oh, no. No, it's aliciabar.com. That's my agency that I don't have anymore. Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad I checked. So aliciabar.com, and that's A-L-E-A-S-H-A-B-A-H-R. Dot com. Did I get that right? Yes. I am so pleased. Well, there you go. I can sleep safe tonight. <laughs> Some of the things you do bring up are the importance of SEO. Why is that important? Oh, I think that's just on my um, marketing website. So I had a marketing agency for about three years, which is actually really helpful um, with sales because marketing is such a big part of it. And I was in the trenches of it. So I can't talk about why SEO is important, though, um, although it's not something that I do with my clients anymore. Um, it's important because when people search Google, I mean, there's that joke, you know, where do you hide a dead body on the second page of Google? <laughs> Nobody looks there. So SEO is going to make you show up on the first page. <laughs> Well, I will skip some of the questions that I had because they are based on the wrong website. Oh, you, as you put on Facebook, uh, don't you hate it when people ask you what you do and they haven't checked you out? <laughs> yeah, that cold. So it's so popular in the online space to send a cold message to somebody and try to sell them on your service. <sighs> and like the fact that people as introverts, small talk really is torturous for us. Um, and then also like, it's on my profile, you know, what I do. So you just didn't even care enough to, to look at my profile. So I have to repeat this information that you can find somewhere else. It's frustrating. I really appreciate that you like looked into so much beforehand. That's really, um, it makes somebody feel like you care, you know? Well, I do. And you are so, uh, you are so interesting to get to know. I must admit, I got distracted by the fact that you are a fantastic dresser and have such a sense of colour. Thank I you. I know you, you have certain songs that make your rebel heart sing, 
but of your amazing wardrobe, what are some of your clothes that make your rebel heart sing? So I would definitely say like in my regular life, uh, like not, I mean, all the time really, but I, I have more of like a boho chic kind of look. So like wrap dresses and, um, you know, like jean shorts that are a little frayed, um, like I love ear climbers, earrings, like something that's a little different, a little unique, I guess. Never heard the term ear climbers before. What's an ear climber? So it's the earrings that like um they they go, they don't dangle. Instead, they fit like up the outside of your ear. Well, that really was quite self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, so have you seen them before? I, I don't believe so, but I will Google immediately when we get off this. Poor Bing. No one ever says Bing anymore. <laughs> it's so please, please go to Alicia Barr, but not only for her incredible services that she offers, but just have a look at her dress sense and make her a friend on Facebook. Jump onto her link profile because this is a woman who knows how to dress and knows how to photograph. So take some tips. Oh, from thank you so much. That's so nice, Erin. Really. Well, it's true. Hey, you want people to discover the secret art of subtle selling. Would you tell me more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, my whole strategy is definitely more subtle, like to the point of taking pain out of it where you shame somebody, which is really kind of obvious of a sales strategy, I think. Um, and you don't pitch like for an extended period of time like that. So, it's really subtle selling. I do something called pitch weaving. Um, that's really selling in bite-sized pieces and in a more custom way to the person you're talking to. So it's just um, what I kind of called my sales strategy. Cause who doesn't want, who doesn't want to be subtle when they sell, right? I always like to think of it as I'm inviting people to a wonderful party because guess what? I'm awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great way to think of it. Um, it's really about like, so I really emphasize that instead of focusing on selling someone, you focus on understanding if they're a good fit for you to help them. And if they are, then you tell them. Exactly. And if you are the right fit, you are doing them a disservice if you don't offer them a solution. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you want the little known pitch weaving method, which is such a great name, jump back onto the website uh, because if you, you can enter your email and you actually get the three-step formula, which is super cool. Yes, it's true. And then in my group, sales is not a dirty word. That's where I do those trainings you were mentioning. How do we find that group? Is it on Facebook? It is. It is on Facebook. And... Here we go. I'm, I'm looking at your new website, excuse me, because it's just so fantastic. You offer a selling accelerator, which gets high quality prospects, positions you as an expert, and then you find out about pitch weaving. Why is it important to position yourself as an expert? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, people have to see you as an authority on the subject that they need help with. Um, and so when you're on the call, there are ways to position your, in a sales conversation, there's ways to position yourself as an expert that aren't like over-educating or over-sharing. 
type of things because people get kind of overwhelmed. So a lot of times when people try to position themselves as an expert, like sort of overwhelm the other person with facts, it's hard for them to remember what it's like to hear what they do for the first time. Um, so they are two in the weeds, if that makes sense. So they're definitely part of the accelerator is showing you how to position yourself in a way where it's clear that you're an expert on the subject in a way that they can understand and feel confident about rather than you like talking over their head or boring them with like really tiny details. Yeah, watch out for when their eyes start glazing. Yeah, which absolutely happens. Why is it important to have high quality prospects? So a lot of people spend time talking to people who cannot afford them. And uh, there's this there's this theory in sales that I really dislike um, that like you can sell anyone that, that if they aren't buying a because they don't have money, it's because you didn't do a good enough job selling them. So it makes people talk to everyone, even though they might not be a fit for them or even able to afford them. And it's extremely discouraging and it's very time consuming and it takes a lot of energy. So you end up being exhausted for the high quality prospects that you do talk to. So the people who can't afford you or aren't a fit, they don't want to waste their time talking to you either. It's not a selfish thing. So I really recommend pre-qualifying and um, I help people with some questions that they can really clearly see if somebody is a fit for them beyond just affording them, but definitely affording them is something that people kind of beat themselves up about um, taking calls with people that like just aren't able to, and then saying it's because I didn't, I didn't sell the value. And clarifying and clarity is incredibly important. I think you've said that a confused person says no. It's true. Yeah. So how does that play into the language uh, that your specific target audience understands? Yeah. So, I mean, you want to use their language. So not any buzzwords and that kind of thing, which is very easy to start incorporating in your sales conversations. And then um, I usually recommend uh, explaining what you do with them in a kind of journey format. So like three phases or three parts or three pillars that um, they can see where they are where they are at each step in the process instead of it kind of being all over the place, your, your explanation. So having like a concise, clear way of explaining how you help someone so that they can really understand, oh, yes, I want that. Whereas if you're sort of all over the place or not explaining it in a way they can understand, they're like, I mean, I think it sounds cool, but I don't know. So I don't really want to invest money if I can't really say for sure. That helps it. That definitely makes it easier for people to say yes. And that's a good thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what's some other ways you can make it easy for people to say yes to you? Yeah, I mean, so pre-qual, making sure you're talking to people who really can benefit from your service gets you excited and your excitement is going to be contagious which is another thing that introverts really excel with is being genuinely excited about helping people. They're not in a sales conversation for the sale. They're in it so that they can help them on the other side of it usually because they don't typically want to be having a sales conversation because it's kind of, it can be draining. Um, but also having the conversation be an exchange. So a lot of times it ends up feeling very one-sided. Like, so the beginning is I'm going to ask you questions and you're just going to talk and then I'm just going to talk. And it's like not enjoyable for either person. <laughs> so, um, and it, it 
there are ways to really like build value throughout the call so that when you, you don't have to do that extended pitch, you know what I mean? Where somebody like kind of leans back and is like, oh, here's the pitch. I'm not really going to listen now because they're probably going to embellish everything. And I'm just going to wait until the end when I can ask my questions. So skipping those parts and really building value throughout the call in, in like an exchange with check-in questions that aren't just make sense, um, which is really an automatic yes kind of question, will we'll really help you understand, the person understand and retain what you do and how you help them a lot more. And it'll help you uncover objections ahead of time. So when you get to the end of the call and they have objections, you're really just fighting an uphill, uphill battle at that point. So you want to try to uncover those throughout the call with checking questions. And the objections they have, you, you may not have expected. They may be different than you thought they'd be. Yes, that is such a misstep that people have in sales is they assume a lot. So they assume the person's, like you said, you just start offering discounts. They assume it's about the price when it might have really been about how much time it took or whether they think it's a fit or they're thinking of, you know, like there are so many reasons. Um, so a lot of assumptions are made in sales instead of questions asked to know for sure if their assumption is correct. You started off selling multi-million dollar contracts. Yes. I realize you know this, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I worked for an international media company and we sold digital camp advertising. So we would sell year-long contracts uh, for all kinds of digital advertising that would be like you know, a certain amount each month. So I worked with, I worked with all kinds of industries, like every kind of industry you think of every kind of weird prospect, difficult, difficult client, whatever. It was a fantastic experience. Um, and, you know, worked with people with big, at, at really large levels as well as small. So it was fantastic experience for me to help others. Cause I feel like I've, I've been in almost every scenario at this point. One of the scenarios you were in is like me, you were in the real estate industry. Yeah, I did. I was a realtor in New Zealand for about a year. How does sales relate to selling real estate? Um, yeah, so real estate is a B to C kind of thing, unless you're in commercial. But I assume you're talking about residential, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It's something that is um, very saturated if you are a realtor. <laughs> um, it's hard to get started. It's very relationship-based. Um, but it, you're selling more, you're really talking about like the future. You're painting the, emo you're, you're painting the emotional side of it more than the logic side. Whereas when it's a business, it's like, these are the numbers and this is what it will be worth after the projections. And, and these are the... Um, you know, this is the square footage, which is how much you need and, and those kinds of things. So it's a, a little bit of a different conversation when it's to a consumer, especially because they are pulling from their own personal savings for this. It's not like a business budget. So there's a lot of fear involved that you have to talk them through. And really like th realtors end up being like therapists. Like, <laughs> 
end up encompassing a lot, a wide range of things um, for their clients. And there are a lot of bad realtors out there and very few good ones. So I was always surprised by that, that like there were people who had been in the industry 30 years who wouldn't respond to emails where I was asking about buying their house or something that, that they're listing. <laughs> For me, great service uh, has communication is absolutely incredible. I like to feel that I've communicated with and I like to feel I'm cherished. Totally. It's a great way of putting it. As for being a realtor, it was such an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I absolutely agree with the therapy. My clients were selling their most expensive possession. It was a really big deal. There was grieving, there was second guessing, there was. There was uh, often uh, clients would feel their house was worth a certain amount because of the emotional investment they had in it. It was uh, really interesting and it taught me a lot. I, I learned so much about people and learning so much about them from their homes. It ended up informing my business because I could tell stories about people. I could find out about people from their environments even when they weren't in them. But that was a segue. I like to talk to you a little bit more about why is it so important to fulfill your promise to your clients? Oh my gosh. Um, so a lot of people put too much focus on the front end, uh, getting new clients and not very much on the back end. And it's definitely leaving a lot of money on the table because you won't have client retention. So in the case of a realtor, for example, like your client's not going to come back and work with you. And they're also not going to refer you, uh, which are both really incredible sources of more money without having to do the whole new client hamster wheel thing. So aside from it being like an integrity issue, like it's just nice to do what you say you're going to do um, when you have like a conscience, it, it actually does really affect your, your profit as well. <laughs> it seems such an obvious thing, but uh, it's, I have had experience with people who've overpromised and underdelivered, and it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. That is a can be a little bit of a different issue. Sometimes people feel like they need to promise a lot, even though what they're promising would be the best case scenario. So I always recommend telling somebody the worst case scenario, and if they're okay with that, then we're going to be all good because it's probably not going to be the worst case scenario. So. My, I have a theory that everything in life is every negative experience or feeling in life comes from um, mismanaged expectations, whether that was with your relationships or even with yourself um, or a job, you expected something different. So in that exact scenario, if the person had just under promised and over delivered and delivered the exact same thing, you would have been thrilled, but you had a different expectation set, which they might have just felt like they had to say to get the sale or like they might just want like be people pleasers who just like want to do it all, even though they can't. And then they get really awkward when they don't deliver and they start ghosting you. And that's like a whole <laughs> self-esteem thing, you know? <laughs> that's great clarification. Thank you. See, see, Alicia is all about clarification and clarity. <laughs> I I watched a, a really useful video of yours. It's only 30 seconds. It's on your Facebook page. But you talked about uh, 
a very, very important question uh, to help you solve problems really, really fast. Yeah. What was the answer to that? So you pretend like you don't have a choice. Uh-huh. Backs up against the wall or what we call in New Zealand the number eight wire mentality where you make do or you find a solution. Yeah. When you don't have any choice, you start to get real creative and you're just, you just move your ass. You don't have time to waste anymore. It's very true. I also noticed you were asking people what song would they have have played when they walked into a room? What's yours? You know, I wanted to say that uh, what my song was and I didn't, I think that it changes with time, right? It depends on like, um, what I'm into at that moment or the mood or something like that. Um, so I, I, I wish that I had the answer like right ready. I love music so much. Um, there's music that absolutely gets me like super fired up and it's a little bit cheesy, but I really love Beyonce. Like I love her message of feminine being feminine, but also like a, a driven boss unapologetically um, boss, CEO in charge of things, um, but not having to act like a man to be a boss, like a very, you know, loving fashion, having statements, feeling sexy. Um, so a lot of times those songs get me pretty hyped. Of course they would. Queen Bay. And one of the things about this, as you pointed out, it's great that this is an age where daughters, your daughter, where Beyonce isn't told that she has to be ladylike. Yes. Did you ever hear that growing up? Oh, I, I was told I was over the top, over the over emotional, uh, too full on. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Forgive me, I didn't mean to go down that track. But yes, unladylike. At least I was never told I had to walk around a room with a book on my head. Well, it wasn't to that level, but like when you did something that was, let's say, make like when my daughter makes funny faces, there's a time where people would have told her that was unladylike. And it's so sad because they almost like want to stamp out the personality out of a female in the past. They wanted them to be very quiet and just pretty. And like, what can I get you? Um, was really like the perfect woman. Um, and I mean, still like they, there's things that come up where it's like men could do that and it wouldn't be considered a, an issue. But when a woman does that, it's unladylike and it's like, okay, that's, it just feels like someone's manipulating you to their set of social standards. And it's like an opinion. It's not a fact. Completely and utterly. And trying to fit a mold when we are all so precious and so unique and so valuable and so perfect exactly as we are. Yeah, it just irritates me to no end. Like that is the, the way it's said, that's not ladylike is as if it's a fact, but it's like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You don't need to be in my world. <laughs> I can be around people who don't mind that. And like, we'll all be happier for it. But to make me try to make me act differently because it would make you more comfortable is just irritating. Incredibly irritating. Choose the people you want in your world. Yes. And you your world exactly how you like it 
Speaking of having your world the way you like it, don't you have a Rule Breakers Marketing and Sales Summit coming up? I do. I do. So I'm on a couple of summits coming up. I love the Rule Breakers one just because, um, you know, there's a lot of cliches in the marketing world right now. Um, we call them like Lambros and Boss Babes. <laughs> It's it's um, a term for a guy who's like, oh, my gosh, like made seven figures while I sleep. Like, look, look at my Lamborghini. Um, look at my yacht. And like they're all leased or like even worse, just rented for the day. Um, and they're, you know, are saying like, buy my stuff because look at how successful I am. And they're like really flashy about it. And then the women are like all right, boss, babe, women, like, let's do this. And like, they have basically the same marketing strategy where they're like, oh, look at how much I made in my business. Like, it's really uh, getting sales. Your marketing is based on your own results instead of your client's results. And client results are, are what really matters. I know you help your clients increase, what's it called? Conversion optimization? Um, yeah, like they convert more sales. So I usually do it out of 10. So if you're closing, if you're winning less than five out of 10 people that you talk to, I can help you a lot. I can help you if you're doing more than that, too. Like usually after I work with people, they end up winning about 80% of the people they talk to, you know, as long as those people are a good fit, like they, they want and need and can afford your service. Yeah, we can close almost all of them. Which is when it comes back to qualifying your leads in the first place. Yeah, it's it's for you and your prospect. It's not a selfish thing. It's not like, ew, you're broke. I don't want to talk to you. It's not like that. Um, it, it's like you want to be of value. You still want to offer them a resource, but you you don't want to waste both of y'all's time in a sales it's conversation. No, of course not. Hey, Rule Breakers, the Marketing and Sales Summit, that's June 9 to 11. How can people enroll in that or find out more? Yeah. So it, I believe it's rulebreakers.com slash Alicia is my affiliate link. Um, and it's a hundred percent free and I, it's an audio only summit, which is really cool. So you can really listen to it anywhere. A lot of summits are video and you have to feel like you're stuck at your computer and that's not the case with this one. It's almost like, you know, all podcasts or you can listen to it while you're running or cooking or whatever. And, um, it's specifically how to succeed without, um, feeling the pressure to fit in those like marketing cliches that we were talking about. Like, everybody's like, you have to do a webinar, you know, or stuff like that. Like, so it's like how, and obviously I'm very, you know, I guess not obviously it depends on if you're familiar with how people sell in this space, but I'm extremely different <laughs> than how most people recommend with the whole pain and shame selling. Pain and shame. I do that with clients. I get them out of pain and shame when it comes to their clothing. I love that, Erin. That is so valuable because people, they really, um, what they're wearing changes how they show up. If It's the same with uh, fitness and nutrition people. When you feel like you're showing up as the best version of yourself, you are a better parent, a better spouse, a better professional. I mean, you're putting on it, it when it comes to clothes, you're really like even putting on some battle armor in some situations. I'm putting that on my website. Thank you. I'm going to nick that. 
The great thing, one of the great things about your Rule Breakers Marketing and Sales Summit is that you can, I love the fact that it's audio, so you and I can listen to parts of it when we're walking our dogs. Yeah, doing whatever. And it's it's completely free. Um, so that's really nice too. Uh, and I just, I love that it's not the same stuff that you hear all the time at all. You have three dogs. What kind oh. of dogs? And what are their names? Because this is incredibly important. <laughs> well, I did. One of them passed away. He was an old man. We loved him so much. Um, so now I just have two. One is this enormous lab that just did not stop growing. He's over 100 pounds. <laughs> people, people think he's a great Dane. His tail's as long as like a lion's tail. It breaks everything. And of course, he thinks he's a lap dog. And his <gasps> name is Sancho. Um, which is the Mexican slang for like your man on the side, your, your male mistress. Um, so Sancho. <laughs> and then the other one is a little girl and she is a, a little brindle where that's where they look kind of like a tiger. And her name is Sasha. I'm sorry for your loss. Speaking of Sancho, you speak Spanish. I know you love languages. Why Spanish and how did you learn and do you still get to practice it? Well, I practiced it a lot more in Texas. Um, not as much in Colorado. Spanish, I studied, I discovered studying abroad in college and you got to travel and get school credit at the same time. So I was all in and I did that three times. And the last time was in Spain and I had a boyfriend who didn't speak English, which if you ever want to learn another language, that is the way. Because if you have an out or an option of speaking your language, you will take it. Um, so that is how I learned. And I, I love Latin culture. Um, it's so warm and like focused on friends and family and enjoying life. Um, I But ultimately I am American. So it was hard for me to like, it would be hard for me to live there because any kind of professional purpose is, is not a priority. <laughs> and I mean, ever since we're little in America, the first question is like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And when you meet people, it's, what do you do? It's just ingrained in us. It's very hard to get away from. Um, I would feel a little like purposeless, I guess in a culture where my only priorities were like drinking wine and hanging out on the beach. As nice as that sounds. Speaking of beach, and yes, that does sound nice. My husband is world domination from a hammock. And I would love it if we all changed to the question, who do you want to be instead of what do you do? I love that. Okay. But I think, I think it would confuse some people, but <laughs> I still really like it. <laughs> Back to being on the beach, didn't you just take your Nana to the beach? My Mima, I met my Mima at the beach. Um, she's 98 and I took my baby. It was her first beach experience um, coming from the mountains and it was really cool. She was a little overwhelmed because I mean, you know, it's very different from the bathtub, um, which is the only water she's been in since the pandemic. But um, it was really cool. Like it, it was beautiful. Um, it was South Padre, about a mile from Mexico in Texas. So I haven't been to a beach in, I don't know, six years or something. So it was cool. Oh, a real beach. Oh, the bliss of that. 
I know. And Memoir, uh, the first time I heard that word, of course, was Big Bang Theory. It's adorable. Uh, yeah, yeah. She That's the name she wanted. So you get to pick your grandma name, you know? Well, of course you do. I think you should uh, pick, well, you can pick your own name now if you want. By all means, change it to Beyonce, though. I think that might be trademarked. I was wondering if people name their kid Beyonce. I feel like they have to. I have a feeling it's one of the more popular names. Again, I can Google it. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Find out about this amazing summit. Uh, go to, I believe it was uh, rulebreakers, uh, forwards, rulebreakers.com forward slash Alicia. Jump on Alicia Barr's site. And if you are an introvert, there is a subtle way to sell. You can be true to yourself. You can take out the pain, the pitching, and the pretending. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Erin. It has been delightful. I loved talking to you. And just like I can tell you're introverted because you're so genuinely curious and asking really great questions that, I mean, I just appreciate the conversation. Really nice of you to say. I didn't get a chance to talk about how we're both passionate about animal rescue, but we can have that conversation at another time. Thank you for your time today, Alicia. Look forward to getting to know you better. You too, Erin. Bye. Okay, bye.